Hey, hey, what's up? What's up? Good morning, afternoon, or evening, good people. Wherever you are, wherever you happen to be, and however we're together, thank you for being here. I'm Dave, and this is Dave's Head. So what's in my head? So the first thing, um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little excited, I'm a little bubbly today. I'll get to why later, but I'm just, I'm, I'm in a great, great, great mood. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is NBA star Ja. I'm just going to say Ja. We, we know who Ja is. We're just, and the gun. I don't know if it's called Gungate. I don't know what it's called. Um, ja Morant. I'll say his full name. But um, for the second time in, I believe, three months, he's on an Instagram Live or in, in a situation where he's flashing a gun. Again, I say in the second time in three months. Now, this is a young man who has millions and millions of dollars, although he just lost like 30-something, or the possibility or opportunity to get 30-something million dollars because he didn't make all first team NBA or something like that. Whatever his contract stipulated, he lost out on 30-something million dollars. He's not hurting. But second incident in three months that he's involved in a situation where he's in possession of a gun and the NBA world is in shock. Beyond the NBA is in shock. Now, it's it's interesting in many ways because I'm I'm torn a little bit on my reaction to this. I'll tell you why. First, um, let's go to the, the reaction response from the NBA. They're looking into it. The um, Grizzlies, I believe he plays for. Is it Memphis Grizzlies? I think it's Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies that he plays for. Um, whatever team he plays for has suspended them. They're eliminated from the playoffs, but they've suspended them. So I'm guessing he can't come to the facilities and that type of stuff. Also, Nike has kind of taken the road a la Kyrie Irving. And removed his sneaker, his branded sneaker, from websites. So you can't purchase it. And it's the same MO, same step they took before they dropped Kyrie Irving. After his, um, I think it was Amazon Prime or Netflix. It was one of those that he posted He posted about a video that was publicly available. I think it was Amazon Prime. Uh, publicly available for everybody to watch. But he posted about it, so it became a big deal. But... It seems like the backlash is, is just coming. The NBA hasn't, as of yet, as of the time of recording, um, issued any league-wide action against him. But, like I said, his team has suspended him. Now, I want to state this, and I'm going to give you both sides of how I feel. I want to state clearly that no laws were broken. Zero laws were broken. He is not under investigation. There are no indictments coming. There are no warrants about to be issued. No arrests forthcoming. None of that. No laws were broken. It was an Instagram video where he had a gun in the video. Albeit, you know, he kind of had a cock by his head, which I don't understand that thing. Because if it goes off, you're either death or got a bullet in your head. But there are two sides of this. And the first side I'll go with the response. No laws are broken. He has a legal right to be in possession of a gun. As far as I know, he's not a convicted felon. Um, I'm not sure of the state laws where he's at, but as far as I know, in pretty much every state, you have a right to possess a gun. Um, you may not have the right to conceal carry or may not have the right to open carry, depending on the state. 
but every state, I believe, you have the right to possess a legally purchased firearm. And so there's a little bit of hypocrisy here because we live in a climate, and this is the climate we're in, where every time a topic comes up of either a mass shooting or an election, Second Amendment comes up. Where one side says they're coming for your guns, the other side says, my rights, my rights, my rights. And so this notion that, again, assumption, because I haven't heard any narrative that said the gun was illegally possessed. But the narrative or where we are right now with Ja that a legally possessed firearm on a legally owned Instagram account that just happened to go live, where Ja was committing no illegal acts with said gun in his private time, not at his place of employment, a la the NBA, he should be punished for that. That's, I kind of have a problem with that. Now, the other side of that coin is this. If a private company, because we've had this conversation before about private companies versus public institutions. If a private company, private business has a clause in his contract that says you cannot possess a gun or you cannot do this as it relates to a gun and he did it, there's no argument here. The NBA or his team has an absolute right to do what they want to do with that because it's in the contract or it's because it's in the CBA or because of whatever. Or if he made some sort of agreement the first time this incident happened where he said that he would not do this again and then did it, I can't defend that. However, this is a person doing something on their own time with a legally owned firearm, not breaking any laws, not hurting anybody, victimless crime because there's no crime at all. So victimless non-crime in a country where it's polarizing to even talk about someone taking a gun out of your hand or restricting your access or right to possess said gun. I'm torn between why is there a problem with this at all? And if there's a private institution clause or he made some agreement not to do this and did it, then there's no argument here. He deserves whatever punishment he gets. But I keep coming back to until I know for a fact that there is some clause or contractual thing which says he's not supposed to do that. I really don't have a problem with it. Every day we watch on TV, guns shooting, blazing all over the place. Every day we watch on Netflix and we watch on the news and we see shootouts everywhere. This is a superstar athlete who at some point may have or may will need to protect himself from crazy fans, people in the street circumstances whatever so he has the right to own a gun if he has that gun if that gun is his and again this is a victimless non-crime so what is the problem here what is the problem there are people who screams you know cancel culture this and cancel culture that is this not the epitome and i talked about this when the Kyrie over situation happened is this not again another example of cancel culture as defined by those who rally against it all the time, is he not being quote-unquote canceled? Now, I've always argued there's no such thing as cancel culture. There's a thing called repercussions. The other side of this coin that I've been talking about is the repercussions of what he did before, perhaps leading into some agreement, contractually or verbally or whatever, for him not to do that again. He did it again. That's called repercussions. What's coming? And so do you see where the, the confusion or the contradiction or the really just nonsensical way I'm trying to explain both sides of this coin? Do you see how, how that's just insane? Because again, remind you, 
no one was hurt in the recording of this live video. It's kind of play on the nobody, no, the movie thing, nobody was hurt in recording, never mind. No one was hurt in the recording of this live video. No one at all. So where is the damage that Ja is being punished for? Again, the caveat, star, asterisk, whatever. Was there an agreement for him not to do this again? If yes, I cannot dispute any repercussions coming his way. If not, then this is just a U.S. citizen legally possessing a firearm, recording on his phone, well, the friend's phone, doing something not illegal and hurting no one. That's the difficulty in this entire debate. Because what really needs to be identified to solve which direction this should go is was there something contractually, verbally agreed to, written down agreed to, collective bargaining agreement, a la CBA in the NBA? Is there something that says he should not be doing this? If yes, cannot argue him facing repercussions. If no, this literally is the epitome of someone being canceled. That's a good example, not the other trash that people try to push. But I, I, I do have another beef with this whole situation. It has nothing to do with the response of either the NBA or his team. It has to do with his circle. The people he hangs with. The person who just had to go live with Ja in the car. Are you offering him advice? Are you talking to him about the actions he's he's taken? Again, it doesn't matter if he had an agreement or there's some violation as far as the NBA or his team. Doesn't matter. Let's say there was no violation. Say this is all a perception and a publicity problem. Are you simply hanging on as someone who cares about his actions? Or are you hanging on because of what you can be exposed to because of who he is, how much money he has, and the notoriety he walks around every single day with? I mean, you can go to his father, who had a little beef with uh, Shannon Sharp that one time. But you can go to his father, who really isn't a father at this point. He's his friend. He acts like his friend. He doesn't instill, pass down anything meaningful that I can see from a long mile away based on the actions of Ja. And so my problem is also with his circle. This young man has came from a long, long way. Basketball-wise, financial-wise, all these things. And gotten to the point where he can potentially lose future money because of these extraneous actions that create no injury, but create publicity problems, create appeal problems. Nike, one of the richest companies in the world, one of the most influential companies in the world, is by all appearances looking to drop Ja because of this. Now I do find it hypocritical that you know these same companies promote rappers and and movies and sponsor all these different things that have guns, gang violence, shootings, killings, murders, all these other things. And again, coming back to there's no victim in this act at, at whatsoever. And so it comes down to me. Was there an agreement contractually, CBA, NBA, Grizzlies, whatever, that says you cannot do this? If he did it and that exists, I can't defend it. I just can't defend it. But if he didn't have that established, if there was no policy in place that says you can't have a gun and you can't happen to be filmed on live with a gun, then what's the problem? 
don't we all have the right to own a gun? The next thing that's on my mind is just we have a mental health issue in this country, right? I think we all, regardless of what party affiliation, what ideological mindset we have, we all can understand, recognize, and admit that there's a mental health crisis in this country. It's been exasperated by um, financial difficulties, economy, COVID, um, affiliations with different parties, conservative, liberal, um, being easily easily impressionable by politicians, hate, all these things, embedded hate, taught hate, raised hate, um, parental pass down hate, if you haven't gotten that part yet. And so there was a baseball bat attack at Democratic Representative Jerry Connolly's office, um, a scene of a violent baseball attack by a man with untreated schizophrenia. Now, there's two things with this. One, it's untreated, which means there are people who knew he suffered from schizophrenia, mental health crisis. Either they were incapable of getting him treatment or did not care enough to get him treatment. That's part one. Part two, he was also known because of his his frivolous lawsuit. I think he tried to sue, I think, the Secret Service or the CIA or something like that um, a while ago. And, you know, made all these wild landish claims and judge threw it out and all these other things. But um, I was about to say fun fact, but as far as from fun um, fact here, uh, since January 6th, um, threats to lawmakers have increased sharply. In 2022, there was 7,500 investigated, um, I believe, by the FBI. 2021, there were 10,000. Um, and now it sounds like 22 and maybe even 23 may have decreased, but they increased to start. Now, here's the other thing I'm going to talk about really quickly. And I think there's something worth noting, especially talking about the jaw situation before this. There were zero deaths, zero deaths in this, although violent bat attack. Do you know why there were zero deaths? Because this man with schizophrenia either was unable to or prevented from getting a weapon of war, a la gun, a la AR-15 style, or pistol, or whatever. But he was either unable to or incapable of getting a gun. Because swinging a bat is a little harder to injure mass amounts of people. At some point, you're going to swing this way and somebody from this side is going to come while you're still swinging that way, grab you, tack you to the ground, and, you know, probably beat the shit out of you. But if he walked in there with an AK, that staffer, especially, there's an intern. How about this for your first day at a job? There's an intern who um, was hit, I believe she was hit in the head with a bat. That was her first day. And I'm not, this is not laughter at all in the situation. It's, it's. I forget what the word is, but it's more like just shock. Like you're shocked to the point where they're like, you can't believe what you're hearing. Your very first day on the job, you walk into a baseball attack and get hit in the head with a baseball bat. How would you like to have that as your first day of the job? But make no mistake, no one died 
because there was no gun to kill people with in mass amounts. And so we talk about this Second Amendment debate and guns and we talk about magazines and we talk about all these different background checks and all these things we try to do or some people try to do to try to curb the amount of weapons of war there on the streets. Taking a step back for a second, you want to curb the amount of guns on the streets, stop letting them into the ports. That's probably the first thing you might want to do because I, here's what I will say. Guns don't just miraculously find their ways to the street. They find their ways into the country. They find their ways from the manufacturer because think about this, who makes the guns, right? If I have a company with a bunch of product, say I make deodorant and I ship out deodorant to here or deodorant there. It's all received. It's all accounted for. If that particular gun or excuse me, deodorant gets used for ill intentions and the gun is found, shouldn't I just be able to trace back when it was made? I mean, they do recalls on milk because of salmonella. They do recalls on cars because of computer problems. We can trace all these things. We have the computer power to do so. You're telling me you can't trace how a gun went from a manufacturer to a valid source with payment to somehow being used in a gang or mass shooting or murder? You're telling me that can't snake its way back to say, hey, if it went to you legally and it was delivered on this date, how did these guns get from that box in your shipment to a drug corner in Philadelphia or a mass shooting in Las Vegas? We've never thought about that. It's just interesting to me. But we've had this debate all the time about guns and people. And we always have that conversation where it's not guns that kill people. It's people that kill people. And so here's a question. If people kill people, then at what point are we going to take action to keep deadly weapons from people? Right? Because, again, think about this. This is a baseball bat. He could have had a sword. He could have had a gun. He could have walked in with a grenade, a road flare. Who knows what else? Road flare and a gasoline tank. There are literally seven million ways or six million ways to die. That I think Wu-Tang said. But if we are suddenly so worried about mental health, right, then why aren't we doing everything we can to fund mental health programs, to fund mental health facilities, to fund programs for early education, a la youth, to identify those with potential mental health crises in the future, research. Why aren't we doing all these things? Why isn't this part of the budget? Right, Because we claim we care about people, and by we, I'm talking about these legislators that we have in Washington, D.C. and state legislators all across this country. Why aren't we committing more resources to mental health? Another side of this coin. There's a lot of sides of this coin, by the way. But another side of this coin. Are law enforcement officers equipped to handle this type of situation? Because, again, he was apprehended without shooting him, killing him, stun gunning him, all this stuff. Which, again, I find miraculous because he has a bat in his hand where he's taking people's heads off and somehow he wasn't shot. But it's a, another topic for another day. Are 
police officers the correct resources show up to these types of situations. Obviously, if he had an AK-47, yeah, they probably are. But if he has a bat or if he's just having a mental episode with no weapon, are we sure the police who aren't mental health experts, who aren't trained in de-escalation tactics for mentally ill patients, and they barely employ de-escalation tactics as it is, but again, why aren't we funding mental health experts to show up in these situations, train them to protect themselves and protect people around them, but I'd rather have a mental health expert show up to someone having a mental break than a police officer with a gun, a taser, and everything else. Thankfully, nobody died. I will say nobody died because he didn't have a gun. Kind of hard to dispute. What's in my head is brought to you in part by Digga Movers, your safe and swift moving company. An A-plus rated one-stop shop licensed and insured moving company, providing local and long-distance services on the move. For more information, visit their website at www.digamovers.com or call 1-888-77-DIGGUM. That's 1-888-773-4436. The last thing that's on my mind is finally, 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 finally. And if you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, read my shirt. No entanglement formed against me shall prosper. Relations 710. Obviously, there's no book in the Bible called Relations, and there's no chapter and verse 710. Um, but it's kind of something I got a couple years ago when I was kind of going through the worst parts of my divorce, separation, pending divorce. Um, and so I um, kind of got this as just more so comic relief from the things that I was going through. Obviously, there was a situation that happened that... Uh, the use of the this particular quote was appropriate, but 1,516 days, 19 hours, and 14 minutes. Now, if you know me, I'm a man of Phi Beta Sigma. Phi Beta Sigma is my fraternity. I talk about it all the time. We were founded on January 9th, 1914. So I think it's ironic that 1,516 days, 19 hours, and 14 minutes from the date that I filed for divorce to the date that it was signed off and a divorce decree was issued was exactly that duration. 1,516 days, 19 hours, and 14 minutes. Now, I've talked about the longest divorce in the history of divorces. I've talked about this on a couple episodes of the show. And again, it's really not. I did find a bunch way, way longer. But um, <laughs> to a Capricorn like myself, um, that number those days, hours and minutes really put in pers- put into perspective just how long this journey has been for me. I shed real tears when I saw on the website for the county that it was posted. I actually was looking every day since we filed the final paperwork to get the decree ordered um, because my ex wouldn't sign. We could have did it a long time ago, but she, again, didn't sign. But anyway, um, and I looked at the website. Every day, just kept looking, kept looking, seeing no change. And finally, I actually got to the point where I said, you know, I'm not going to check anymore. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. And there's no need for me to just keep checking every day, driving myself crazy. Not really, but just kind of making it a part of my daily routine. There's no need to do that. And so 
I um, happened to skip Monday of this week. And the day I'm recording this is on a Friday. But I happened to skip Monday of this week. And Tuesday, I um, Taco Tuesday, by the way. I happened to go to have some tacos, sitting there and having a drink, waiting for the waitress to come out and bring me another. And I just popped in my head. Oh, let me just refresh and check the website. And lo and behold, I saw that the day before, Monday, um, Monday morning, by the way, almost first thing, that the order was signed and the decree was issued. And a little funny story. Um, so if you know me intimately, if you know me a little bit, you know that I'm a pretty emotional person when I can be. Um, and so if I tell a really exciting story, I'll start tearing up and crying. It's, it can be a happy story, a sad story. If I'm emotionally invested, I'm excited to tell it. Emotions kind of pour out of me. And so I'm sitting there at the place I was at and I see it and instantly my eyes start watering. I just start crying and the waitress comes over. And so now with an impulse, I got to think of something like all oh, these damn allergies. So I'm talking about, you know, I'm wiping my eyes and all this stuff. My allergies, I'd be killing me all week. I just can't stop the tears, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, she's standing there looking at me and I'm thinking she's not believing this bullshit I'm selling. She starts talking about how she suffers from allergies. And two minutes later, we're still talking about her allergies and the allergies. And I actually really do have allergies. But this turned from me crying because I'm so happy that the divorce decree is issued to we're having a legit conversation about the allergies we suffer in our daily lives. I just thought that was funny. But I shared something on my uh, social media that I wrote in the wee hours of the morning back in 2020. Um, I think in that moment, you know, I had one of those sleepless nights that I had a lot of back then. Um, and I kind of relived things and I was blaming myself for my stupidity as I called it. I haven't done that in a long time. I used to call myself very stupid for allowing the things that happened to happen. Um, but I came across this post where someone thanked their ex, um, and it just resonated. So I kind of took it, rewrote a huge chunk of it. Um, expanded a whole hell of a lot because I think it was only like a paragraph and I made it like five paragraphs but made it my feelings made it my message and you know I posted it got a lot of great feedback and thank you to all the people out there who um, offered their support gave me thanks um, gave me uh, positive affirmations for the future and so many more things and, and let me just pause for a second and thank my circle and I did this publicly um, there are people I text that I gave thanks to them for uh, their support for me the last couple of years. They know the intimate details of everything that I went through, everything I rebuilt from, um, and who I am compared to back then. And so uh, publicly, again, I'm going to verbally say this time, thank you to my circle. I don't have to identify names or individuals. You know who you are. You know you're already in my circle. So I just want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart, from the top of my head. Um, for all that you've done, all the support you give me, and who you are to me. But after all these years, um, it feels different. Like there's relief. I've kind of been relieved. Um, I've just been waiting. It's kind of like, um, you know, you, you make something good. Like you, you got diced all the peppers. You, you threw all the ingredients in. It's kind of simmering. You're making like a stew or something like that. And it's going to take like six hours. You've done all the hard work. You've, you've you, you know, your eyes are crying because you've been cutting the onions and all this stuff. But now it's in the pot and it's just brewing. You're just waiting for that timer to kick off. You're waiting for that smart smell to come or the, the right consistency or tenderness and the meat or whatever. And then 
you finally get to put it in the bowl or put it on the plate and you finally get to eat it. That's kind of where I'm at. It's kind of like I've been ready for this for so long. It's just been waiting for it to happen. I've done all the work. I've been through all the process. I've done a lot of the healing and I still got more healing to go. But I've done a lot of the work and all the and a lot of the healing. But now it's finally here. And so one thing I'm going to do is uh, we'll pop some champagne real quick. And I got a couple other bottles that I'm going to pop as well. Um, if I can get it open. For some reason, I can't get it open. This is embarrassing. But um, this is weird. Why can't I open it? I think my hands are a little greasy. Let's grab a napkin. There we go. But here we go. No mess needed. Oh, well, that was anticlimactic. It didn't even pop. But I'm going to pour myself some champagne here. Pour myself a little champagne. And I'm going to take a little toast because, one, I deserve it. Two, it's a Friday. And three, I am closing out what has been one of the most amazing weeks I've had in a long time. Finalizing something that should have been final a long time ago. But patience pays off. And good things happen to good people. So cheers to finalization. That's good. I'm going to finish that bottle today, by the way. But the other side of this and the other side of that, that mountain, you climb the mountain, you come to the other side, you, you've been brewing that food all day and bubbling and simmering all day. You finally get the taste. Well, now you got to clean the dishes. Now you got to put things away. Now you got to complete the mission. And by that, I mean that I feel that I can finally now sit down with a counselor and have that talk or 10, whatever it takes. I told myself that once this chapter was officially closed, that I would do that. Even if it's one visit or like I said, even if it's 10. And I encourage anyone who's been through pain, whether it's divorce pain, betrayal pain, the loss of a loved one pain, or all the different pains that we can suffer. There's 6 million ways to die. We probably got... 15 million ways to feel pain. But to talk to someone as well. Don't ignore your pain. Don't ignore your pain at all. Um, grow from it. Learn from it. Prevent yourself from, or do your best to prevent yourself from feeling the pain the same way. Excuse me. Champagne. Um, but do the work. And I've, I've been doing the work. I've been working very, very hard the last few years to get past what's happened, grow from it, learn from it, build from it, and be a better person because of it. What's next for me? Continuing my healing and growth, working towards a beautiful life with an absolutely beautiful woman. I owe it to myself to experience a lasting peace, a beautiful happiness, and a genuine love. I'll say that again. I owe it to myself to experience a lasting peace, a beautiful happiness and a genuine love. That's the motivation with this closure. That's the goal. And ultimately, it's my singular focus. That's what's in my head. According to Gettysburg College, the average person will spend about 90,000 hours at work over a lifetime. 
Sounds like a lot. I mean, it, it is a lot. But uh, for reference, assuming 80-year life expectancy, which depending on what country, 76, 77, 82, uh, we get about 29,200 days of life or 700,000 plus hours of life. So 12.8% or roughly 13% of our life is spent working. A little more than one-seventh of our life. And if you put it in terms of fractions, it sounds a lot more, doesn't it? Um, Harvard Business Review tried to answer the question, what does it take to free yourself from these unhealthy patterns and reach a more sustainable, rewarding work-life balance? By conducting an interview of two, uh, 200 interviews with 70 professionals from London offices of a global law firm and an accounting firm. Most of the interviewees describe their job as highly demanding, duh, exhausting, and chaotic. About 30% of the men, 50% of the women consciously resisted working long hours, employing a variety of strategies for maintaining their work and life balance. Now, their research identified this cycle that they talk about that must continuously be engaged as circumstances and priorities evolve. And I'll talk about them really, really briefly. The first one they talk about is pause and denormalize. Ask yourself this question. What is currently causing me stress, unbalance, and dissatisfaction? Now, if your job itself or the roles you have at your job is causing you these things, obviously you need to think about taking a pause, denormalizing what you're doing every single day, get out of that rut, perhaps even go to your manager or supervisor and say, hey, I want to do something different. Or you might get to the point where you just leave your job. The second one they talk about, which I think a lot of men struggle with, is pay attention to your emotions. They say, ask yourself, do I feel energized, fulfilled, satisfied, or do I feel angry, resentful, and sad? Now, again, this is about your professional job that you spend eight hours a day at asking yourself these questions. Um, an old adage that goes way back to when I was a child, I remember, um, I don't know, it was my grandmother or somebody who said it, but they said, if you're asking yourself the question, you probably already know the answer. And so if you're asking yourself these questions about feeling angry, resentful, and sad about your job, you probably are angry, resentful, or sad. Just a thought. The third they talk about is reprioritize. Ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice and for how long? And the context that they talked about this was sacrificing time away from your family, time away from things you want to do in your life. Reprioritize those things over your job, which actually could help alleviate the first two questions that you asked. The fourth thing I actually touched on a little bit in the first one, which is consider your alternatives. Do I want to still work at this job? Do I still want to work in this industry? Do I want to shift directions, change uh, the side of the fork in the road, so to speak, that I talk about all the time? They ask, are there components of your job that you like to see change? How much time would you like to spend with your family or your hobbies? The last one seems the most obvious, but it's probably the hardest, I think, for everybody. Implement changes. Once you recognize your priorities, once you've looked at answering those questions about anger, resentfulness, and all that things, once you carefully consider the options, you've got to act. You've got to actually proactively do something to change what it is in your life that's making you unhappy, especially when it involves the place you spend eight hours a day, 90,000 hours in your life, um, your place of employment. Now, why am I talking about work-life balance? I want to bring in my guest for this episode, Joey Drollshaken. And I hope I got that right. I tried to say it in my head over and over again. He's giving me a thumbs up, so I guess I'm good. But Joey is known for helping realtors and small business owners to unlock their pathway to success through creating accelerating systems of habits and total mindset alignment. He spent over three decades studying, implementing, and developing what's now known as the SMT method, subconscious mindset training. We're going to talk about that. He's been featured on Fox, CBS, NBC, along with being named one of the top business coaches in America for two consecutive years in the New York 
NYC Journal and Disruptors Magazine. He strives to, she strives to help people create the life they desire through retaining their subconscious mind to become unstoppable. And he's got, he's got this, um, these, uh, I forget what it's called, this term that I, I'm loving to, I'm just can't anticipating talking about, uh, because it's got a little profanity in it. So I love, I love the fact that, uh, that's part of his mantra and part of how he builds people up. So with that, Joey, welcome to Dave's head. How's it going? Uh, it's going really good, Dave. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to have you, man. Uh, first of all, your energy, I'm loving it for a Friday. We're recording on a Friday. Um, this week has already been great. As I talked about in my opening, my divorce was finalized this week. So woo, pop the champagne um, again, pop the champagne. Um, but um, yeah, your energy uh, from the first moment that we uh, joined this call uh, has been amazing. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. I did give a brief intro for you, but as always, I like my guests to introduce themselves. So take a moment, tell the people who you are, what you do and what you're about. Absolutely. So I, you know, I grew up in, in a low income family and, and saw struggle my entire life. And even at nine, 10 years old, I was like, man, I'm, I don't want to repeat this pattern. You know, I saw financial struggle. I saw my parents just beating themselves up, working as many hours as they could and stuff. And it was, it, you know, as much as they create a good family environment for us and stuff, it, it, you could just sense and feel the constant tension and stress and frustration. You know, and I would see them getting arguments with each other and it wasn't even about each other. It was about all this other stuff going on and, and working those massive hours, you know, and like I said, at 10, nine, I think it was nine. And I, I said, man, I don't want to live like this. And I found myself in my early adulthood living the exact same patterns over and over. In fact, Dave, it got to a point of something like I something would come really easy to me and I felt like I didn't earn it. I didn't work hard enough for it, you know, and I so I constantly I went into corporate America because I was conditioned that a man gets a job and supports a family and hopefully lives long enough to enjoy retirement. I would start I'd have multiple businesses going and it was it was it was almost like a, buying into that belief of massive actions. And if I want something, I got to be willing to put everything else aside until I get that, you know, and move on. And I followed that to the best of my abilities and really had minimal success at that. And at 22 years old, this 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 passion ignited inside of me that I, I really wanted to spend my life inspiring, motivating and leading people to live better lives. But I didn't know how to do it in my own life. So I really was my guinea pig for all of the travels to get to where I've gotten to. And then about uh, 12 years ago, I started getting my certifications, which I hold multiple certifications for the coaching and the, you know, the consulting I do. And, and, I, and within a couple of months, I started up what you were talking about, IFGT, which stands for it's fucking go time. That's right. And that's the business. And that's what it is. And, and really, after taking that long to, to get to that launch point of it, I, I, it's like it's time to stop living small. It's time to move through the paradigm, paradigms and patterns and all the things causing us limitation and just move through that other side of it. So that study you were talking about, I'm interested to get into some some aspects of that because some of it applies, but some of it there's easier pathways. And so so looking at that, so I did that within a couple months of getting my certifications. And then within six months, I resigned from corporate America. I moved down to the mountains in South Carolina where I live today, and I've just been going forward ever since. But I've gotten everything into alignment, and I've shifted out that conditioning patterns, paradigms that are causing limitation in my life so that I could then you know, raise that glass ceiling, raise that potential of what's available in, in, in the potential for me. Gotcha. So... Um... Let's let's start with let's fucking or it's fucking go time. Uh, first of all, I think I have a nervous tick where I have to say the, the word fuck about 20 times a day. Um, but 
getting to your strategy and how you help people, how do, how does that work? What's so it's up and go time. What does that mean? What's the next step? Is it just a what kick in the ass that just kind of motivates them, or is it something where it's like it's a ten step process? Um, I actually have it broken down dependent on, on, on the person. I'm. So what I did when I developed this is once I understood the total mindset, the conscious, subconscious, all that and everything, once I understood it, then I put together for a package and, and, and it, it didn't really work that well for business, but it did for personal transformation, which mm. even business, you know, all of it is personal transformation, right? If you yeah. want to do better in your business, you're an entrepreneur, everything else. But so I've packaged it different ways so I can meet people where they are rather than people having to get to the level of what I have to offer. So I have multiple avenues to help people with it. And and the other thing I've done in corporate America that I didn't like to do, I didn't enjoy doing, but for some reason I was really good at was helping companies, corporations, like hundreds of millions of dollar corporations with 400 plus employees, things like that, mm -hmm. to go from bankruptcy back into profitability within months. Okay. And so now a lot of the things I do is work with entrepreneurs, business owners, realtors, on, on truly quickly scaling their business, but not giving up their whole life in order to do so, where you can scale it up and still have that freedom in your life to enjoy it. And I have like almost a thousand clients over the past decade that I've helped to achieve beyond what they could have achieved with the blocks and before we worked together. So, and okay. it's funny because the life's lessons, you know, everything you do is, is kind of that life's lesson. It yeah. starts with when we stop looking at being victims, that life is beating us down and we start looking for what are those lessons it's trying that life is showing me. And then that can open up that avenue. And I, I actually mm -hmm. wrote a book called Life's Lessons that's available on Amazon that taught, you know, it's, it's my personal pathway through that process there. So got you. So let, let's take a step back and look at that, that Harvard um, Business Review study. Yes. And the one thing I, I pulled from that that really struck me is how high a percentage of people there were that were unhappy in their job and really struggled with that work-life balance. Is that what you find normal in your, in your coaching and, and the people you've helped? Or is it just, you know, there's just a group of people who are just unhappy with their job. And, and really people are happy. They just want better. And you know what, like from what I've experienced, the stats are probably a little bit higher in favor of the people who are unhappy and miserable. Wow. And it could be a number of reasons, right? We, we all come across the people who complain about ever, you know, complain about the weather, complain about their job, complain about their mm -hmm. boss, everything else, but they're not going to do anything different about it, you know? And it's just, yeah. it becomes a way of being it for a lot of people, you know? And, and those are the people that I, like, I can't help those people. So I decipher them out of there. But it's mm. the people who really are unhappy. And and the start of that that I didn't hear in the study I would have loved to have is the start of all that stuff. The start of bringing about any change is mm. realizing that I don't like this. So often people will live for decades in a job they can't stand getting up and going to. They wake up Monday morning already exhausted about the week ahead, but mm. they don't do anything different. And that's what you said at the end of that is, is, is not, you know, taking that step. So one of the things that I do right out of the gate is somebody who's not happy with what they're doing. It means that there's something better for them, yeah. but we get into that conditioning that, you know, work is supposed to be hard, mm -hmm. right? We get into that conditioning that work has to come first because we need money to pay our bills and everything else. So we get locked into work coming first, being that specific job or that paycheck that we're mm -hmm. going there for. 
That's not how we're intended to live in this life. And when we live at that level, there is more effort. There's more exhaustion. There's more fatigue and frustration and everything because we're doing things we don't want to do. The, the system, you talked about uh, how I help people develop systems of accelerating habits yep. when you introduced me. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. That was awesome. <laughs> no and, problem. And, and it's actually now it's three years in a row for a top business coach because 2023 yeah. I was I was added, you know, selected again. So it's really nice. an honor for me. But but with Correct. that, it's getting people into doing what they enjoy doing. So if somebody can understand, I'm doing this and I can't stand going to job, I can't stand this, I can't stand that. For me personally, when I was in you know, corporate America, I was a vice president of sales, helping companies in bankruptcy, building territories, leading teams, leading really good sales teams and leading really bad sales teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. And in that, if I had to be in the office two days in a row after five o'clock, I was miserable, I was beat up, I was fatigued, I was frustrated, angry and all this stuff. But now with what I do, being in alignment with what brings me joy and passion and, and purpose in my life, I'll, I'll go through my whole workday and at nine o'clock at night, I'll go in the room outside of my office here as a studio and I'll start filming till two or three in the morning. And Dave, when I get yeah. done, I can't go to sleep because I'm so wired up and excited. Yeah. It's re- so when we get into that place, it, it, it brings about more energy, it recharges us. And that's when we start tapping into our creativity. That's when we can start tapping into those resources that make results come about with ease instead of struggling with that effort. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it absolutely does. I got uh, three quick things, uh, two, two are actually statements and then one's actual question. Uh, so the first thing you, you talk about energy and being up to two, three o'clock in the morning is still being up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to clarify this energy is 24 seven that you have. Not always. No, I take my downtime. Okay. You know, I just yeah. got done with a heavy travel week here. So I slept in this morning. When we get done here, I'm going to go to the gym and get a workout. And then I'm probably going to go back home and, and, and lounge around and stuff. So there, there has to be that recharge. I mm. used to burn like that until I burned out. And then it would be like a yeah. week where I'd just be. But no, there's there's that balance, which is exactly yeah. what you talked about at the beginning. There's that balance that we need to run. And I can't always say it's perfect. But so yeah. I have to make sure it's some it's balanced to where I get that recharge. Yeah, I think for me with the burnout piece, um, I know I always I always say things like, you know, my body will take the time when it wants it. You know, I kind of go, go, go. And then some I wake up and I feel like crap and I'm down on the couch for a whole day or a day and a half. Um, something I'm, I'm desperately working on trying to stop because I get to that point, tip over and then I got to climb back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to uh, and real quick, another another point I wanted to make. So. You mentioned that you were a salesman um, and this is just a statement. It's kind of comical. You give me salesman vibes. Like it makes total sense that you came from the sales industry before this. Um, but I, I wanted to talk real quick about um, you mentioned that there is a, a segment of people that you work with that you just can't work with. And so I want to talk about the difficulties that you have with clients um, and what makes them difficult and what makes them really you have something you have to walk away from like Gordon Ramsay when he walked away from that one restaurant and kitchen nightmares. Yeah. And, and, and really what it is is I'll, I'll do a, a consultation call with people and I'll get on and, and, and really what I'm looking for is, is one thing we talked about already. There's some people that are going to complain, but they're not going to do anything different about anything. Mm-hmm. They just in that mode of complaint, I can't do yeah. anything for that person. The other thing is somebody with, with that doesn't have what I call a beginner mindset. We all know a lot of things. But people that really want to bring about change are looking for what they can add to what they already know. 
And the know-it-all people get stuck in what they know. They don't gain anything more. So mm -hmm. I have to make sure for me, you know, I, I offer 100% money back guarantee with the coaching I do, Dave. So mm -hmm. I got to make sure up front, I decide, is this somebody that I can really help? And somebody that has yeah. a closed mind, who, who isn't open to trying like the system of accelerating habits and things like that. I, I can't do anything for them. So mm -hmm. that open mind. And then the other thing I say is enough, I, I hate to say it this way, but enough misery in how they're living that they're willing to do something different because I can help them take that mm. energy in that upset and use that as fuel to truly launch forward in what they want mm. to achieve. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you have to be, you have to reach that point to one change to happen, right? I think is yes. what you're saying. Yes. And then the other side of that, it's the difference between a sponge and a rock, right? You know, a sponge wants to learn something else. A rock is you're just, you're, you're beating up a rock. It's, nothing's going to happen. Great analogy. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, people talk about self-improvement all the time, right? Um, how to do it, methods and practices. But um, what I rarely hear are those, I call them mirror moments um, of self-improvement, meaning you, you see something tangible in yourself that's foundationally different. Um, how do you know that you've actually improved that work, um, uh, rest balance, that, that, how do you know that you've actually made a tangible change in your life? Like what, what are the key indicators? The, the main one really is how you're experiencing life. You know, you talk about that with that study, the, you know, that, and you said most men don't do that, you know, because we're taught to be John Wayne and all that and everything. Yeah. Ooh, even yeah. he wasn't freaking John Wayne when he was off camera, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and but but really that's what it is, 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 is the other thing that's really cool about this stuff is it's so easy that we don't always catch on. If I'm mm. unhappy in an area of my life, then I have to define what it is that would make me happy. So often we mm. get in bed or we get in the ditch with what we don't like and we live that way and it just brings mm. more and more misery. But when yeah. we take that and we use it to focus on what do I want, then your results are that you're experiencing what you want. That's the bottom line I use for every client. If you're, if, if you're upset because your business isn't growing and I come in and we, and we, we shift things around, we develop the vision, we do all the stuff and everything else and, and, and you see your vision, your business growing, you've achieved success in what it is you want. I mean, it's really that simple. Yeah. Somebody who Have wants you... more balance in their life, yeah. who's not seeing their family and it can cause so many, we know family issues and things like yeah. that. You know, I have a client that was in real estate that when I met her, she was doing about seven and a half million in sales a year. And she was killing herself doing that with her businesses spiraling downward. She was actually going backwards in her annual <laughs> sales. And the market was even back then. It was about four or five years ago. You know, it wasn't the yeah. boom we experienced the last year and a half. <clears throat> and, and, and she said, I'm so busy. I don't even know if I have time for a session with you every week for us to talk and stuff like that. But hesitantly, she went into it. The year we worked together, Dave, her business went, like I said, from seven and a half up to $23 million in sales. Right. And in that same year was the only time of her adult life that she took five weeks of vacation in that same year. One of them was to a two-week trip to Israel. It had been on her bucket list for decades. Hmm. So when you say that, how do you know if it's working? When you look at that, now every year she's been around that 23 million. Most of the years it, hmm. it's kind of gone up, you know, increased and things like that. She's now built a team. So when you look at how do you know if it's like if it's long-lasting results is looking at it over turn. And, and most of the time, if it's not, it's that we're going back to focusing on that one, on what we don't want and, and giving that all of our attention, effort, and trying to fight out of that 
rather than just figuring out what it is we want and moving forward with that. Gotcha. So, so uh, real quick follow up. Um, have you ever experienced a situation where a client wanted to do the exact same thing? So they weren't necessarily unhappy with their job or what their industry was and what they were doing with their life, but you kind of had to pull it out on that. It really was just about money. They wanted to just make more money. That's all it really was. And how did you handle that situation? Because I'm guessing up front, you're not really getting all the, the accurate information to help them. But really what it comes down to at the end is they just really want more money. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> the reality of our life is make believe mm. because the entire reality of our life is, is based on our perceptions. So at any time we can shift our perceptions and literally shift the reality of our life. So, so often I'll start working with a client and they'll come into our initial call and they'll know what, what they want and everything else. But as I take them through the process and we develop a vision and then we start mm. perception shifting and we start getting into the work within it, all of a sudden, it's, it's exactly what you said. I've had multiple clients who go, you know, I don't hate, I really do enjoy doing this work, you know, where they were out looking for another job and trying to figure another industry and got themselves all confused. But it, it might be the organization that they're at, you know, and the culture within the organization. It might be that they have patterns and paradigms within them that says they have to work 12 hours a day. And so when we shift those, all of a sudden they start getting that blessing out of what they're doing. They start getting that fulfillment and the balance out of it. So yeah, it, but it really takes that defining and that understanding of the difference between our true what we want and and our our like our percept our, what we want based on our perceptions. Mm -hmm. Because somebody okay. can make make a really good money. I was with a guy this past week, and we went down. We we had you know we ended up going to a couple of locations, and one of them was a I mean this beautiful. It had to be, I'm guessing seven hundred fifty thousand dollar backyard. Mm. A, a, um, a, a pool and then it had the spa and it had the lazy river and then a putting green in the middle with a little walk. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Wow. And this, this guy has been really happy with where he lives, how he lives, everything else. And, and as we're driving away, he's going, man, I should have a bigger house like that. I should this, I should that. Well, you just shifted your perceptions because you saw what somebody else had. It's not really even what you want, but mm -hmm. that can happen so easy within us. And we start going about something that's not even our true desire. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. So it starts making that shift in that in that 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 confusion is what I call it, really. Mm -hmm. So it's getting that clarity. What do I really want? What ignites me? What lights me up? What makes me feel good? Mm -hmm. And then following that. Yeah, you've you've kind of alluded to a few times about mindset and the mind mm -hmm. and and being aligned. So. Talk about mindset alignment and what that actually is and how you actually know when your mindset is aligned. Absolutely. And so so the, the total mind is made up of the, and most people know, the conscious and the subconscious mind. The conscious mind we have, we have full control over. The conscious mind is the words we use, the thoughts we entertain, who we talk to, what we read, what, you know, all of that's in the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. The subconscious mind we don't have control over. All the subconscious mind does is absorbs whatever the conscious mind is focused on. So if somebody's stuck in CNN constant, what I call constant negative news, the mm. subconscious is absorbing that. The, you know, I'll ask at my workshops, how many of you would ever speak to another person the way you talk to yourself? And a lot of people laugh at that, Dave, but it, it's so like that conscious where we put our focus on our conscious mind or where we unconsciously allow our conscious mind to go 
is 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 absorbed within the subconscious and then there's a there's what i call a motherboard in our subconscious that holds all of our patterns it holds all of our belief system our past experiences all you know all of the stuff that's absorbed is in there and it just plays back over and over and that's the voice that we hear in our head where it's like a uh, ping pong match going back and forth and we're not even a part of it we're just seeing it happen you know yeah. or where it's saying you know oh, who do you think you are and all of those things are coming from there so mm -hmm. what I've learned how to do and what my studies have surrounded around is around understanding that programming, that the belief systems, the habits, the parad paradigms, patterns, all of that, and then how we can bring about changes on the conscious mind that quickly start shifting that belief patterns and stuff on the subconscious. So we start mm -hmm. hearing a different voice, which starts opening up to opportunities, which starts allowing for us to have more of those out of the blue moments those things that just kind of come together and we didn't really have to massive effort our way into. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, um, to, to piggyback off that. So one of the things I started doing a couple of years ago when things kind of went sour my marriage and, um, I, I kind of had a, one of those epiphany moments where I kind of shifted my focus from the negative to the positive and started rebuilding things. I started a pattern of asking myself, why do you deserve this? And whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, um, if it's a positive thing, say I want to go make $10,000 a month. Why do I deserve to make $10,000 a month? And it, it's the reasoning behind it. It's because I'm, I'm going to work hard. I've, tra I've trained for this. I've studied for this. I've prepared for this, whatever. If it's something negative, somebody, I don't know, betrayed me. Why do I think I deserve to be betrayed? Well, the answer probably would be I don't. And so what I started doing with that is enforcing the positives into the things that I do deserve and kind of getting out of the mindset of, I deserve this. Woe is me if, you know, something bad happens to me. Yeah. Um, and so my reason for bringing that up is um, to ask about methods, right? And so you have various clients and different stages of that mindset alignment. What methods do you use or do you, mo do you find the most success with um, for your clients to get them mentally aligned? Yeah. And again, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's understanding what's in that that motherboard within the subconscious. Mm. What is that programming? And by the way, not to interrupt you, you're speaking my language when you say motherboard. I'm a big geek. So you're speaking oh, okay. my language when you say motherboard. Yeah. <laughs> I told well, you it's fucking bad time, Dave. <laughs> yeah, come on. Go ahead, continue. I just wasn't sure how until right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but within, within there, you know, even with what you said, you know, am I deserving of this? Am I, you know, one of the first mm. perceptions I shift with my clients is stop asking, am I deserving? When I develop a vision, and I've done the same thing for corporations in bankruptcy, back to profitability for every business owner, realtor, you know, um, entrepreneur, personal transformation person I worked with is I help them develop a dynamic vision. And then the next thing we do as soon as we get that vision powered up is, is look at, is this vision worthy of you? Is the vision worthy of you and your time and your effort and resources and everything you're going to put? Is it worthy? Is it big enough? And that starts making that shift from do I deserve or is it deserving of me and my efforts and time? And so that's one of the key ones. And once I can get somebody on there, you know, you talk about the actions with that study, mm -hmm. right? And how so often that so often visions and the desires that people want and truly desire from their heart, they, it never even gets a single action put into it. Mm. And it dies actionless. And so what, once I can get somebody to start making that shift, even from there, is that vision worthy of you and your time? All of a sudden it opens up the doorway where the actions become easier and the whole process is designed. So with each shift 
a person makes, it opens up more of that vision into their everyday life. So when somebody, you know, I'll work with um, people and they'll have problems with their business and everything else. I worked with a gentleman, he was married for 34 years. He came to me to get coaching for his team, but he didn't want to get direct coaching. He wanted to get coaching and take it to his team. Within the second week, it came out in, in the session that the guy had been married for 34, I think it was 34 years, and they just coexisted. Their kids were raised, and they just lived in the same house. They didn't eat together, shop together, nothing, you know, never spent time together. They just shared the, uh, the dwelling. The fifth week, I did a live event, and he happened to be there, and I asked him to do a live testimonial, and he got up in front of everybody, and he said, I met Joseph. He explained why, and he said, you know, that that came out early on about his marriage. And now he, I, we had worked together for five sessions. And he said, you know, I thought I needed business coaching, but within the five sessions, him and his wife are like, he, the way he described it was newlyweds. That wow. they, they, they went out, they dated, they lay around and watch TV and eat popcorn. They, they really got <laughs> into all of a sudden spending time together, you know? And, and I mm -hmm. said to him, so you, you've done this stuff. What's your wife done? And she said, she hasn't done nothing. <laughs> like in other words, and that's what all this is. When yeah. we shift, our world around us has to shift as well. And yeah. not everything in our world right now, our thinking and our, the way we self-talk and things like that can't go with us into that vision. Mm -hmm. The other part of that, Dave, is when I got done working with him in 12 weeks, his team no longer needed coaching. Because mm -hmm. with as he shifted, all of a sudden his team, what he brought into the office, yeah impacted them as well. And all of a sudden the, the, their numbers and what they were doing was increasing and growing mm -hmm. rather than shrinking what had been done doing when he came, you know, when we first met. So, so that brings me to something I wasn't planning to ask. So how much does home life impact the work life balance? Because you talked about this married couple who were basically passing mm -hmm. each other by, you know, tumbleweeds blown in the wind, but it seemed like, by fixing, at least doing his part to fix it at home, it increased things in his orbit, including his work-life balance and including his relationship with his team. Yeah, and, and, and the way I'd answer that is is everything impacts everything. Yeah. Our home life impacts our work life. Our work life impacts our home life. Our relationships, our friendships, our exercise, our eating, like all of it impacts mm -hmm. everything else. It, it's impossible not to. We yeah. now people will. I mean, you think of somebody who's who's got you know uh, upset at home in their family life and stuff in a marriage or something. That's somebody who's going to work more hours and they're going to spend more time at work. And and yeah. really, what they're doing is trying to get away from the pain of that. What right. I help people do is identify what that is and then make those shifts and those changes there to eliminate that that stress. One of the things I help business owners do is is identify and eliminate the stresses in their business, but it, it carries into the personal side as well. You can't mm -hmm. have a miserable marriage where you're fighting in like this all the time and then go to work and find peace and joy and everything. We can act like we do, yeah. but it still comes out. And the higher our stress levels get, the more that comes out and the less control we have over mm -hmm. it coming out. Yeah, that's why men golf. That's why we go golfing. <laughs> And boxing. <laughs> and boxing. <laughs> so uh, next to last question. So um, you're clearly passionate about helping people. Uh, but the question is why? Why are you so passionate and driven to help people? I, 
where it comes from initially is like I, I truly like watched my parents and they were they were really, really good people. And I watched them struggle to where they broke down their health, their relationship suffered, their, you know, have like being the parent that I knew they wanted to be, you know, took a toll and things like that and stuff based on that. And and they didn't have these tools available. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have things like that available. And 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 the other thing that maybe even on top of that in a selfish way is when I started repeating those patterns as much as I knew I didn't want to, but I didn't have control over it. Yeah. That's what really ignited me. And once I started figuring it out, I honestly started this for me because I didn't want to live that way. And as I got into it, it was like, man, this brings me more joy than anything else in my life. When I get to help somebody overcome, and I'm telling you, also, when somebody has a breakthrough, mm-hmm. like, I get tears like the impacts yeah. that the works has on people's lives is, is truly like, in, you know, I, I walk around with in my heart. Gotcha. Now, do you um do do you ever have people come back to you, say, six months, a year from now and just kind of give that gratitude and just say, man, I can't tell you about all the things that have happened since we stopped doing sessions and all the growth I've made. But, man, just thank you. Have you have you had one of those experiences or one that's just kind of stuck with you if you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've had multiple. I mean, I've had it where, where people have wanted to like, you know, find that great love of their life and they wanted to find their own business and we started taking those steps and moved into it. So, and yeah, I still have some. I mean, I have a thousand people. Um, I don't know, like I get a lot of referrals, but mm-hmm. but as far as getting to do, yeah, I, there's a quite a few that, less than a hundred that I still stay in touch with every couple of years. I'll have people that'll come and work with me. And then a year, two, three years later, they'll go, man, I love this life. I want to go mm-hmm. through that 12 week again and see what that next level is, you know, and open up that next branch. But yeah, and it's, it's absolutely incredible. That realtor I talked to you about, like I just heard from her uh, last November that she hit her 23 million in October and, and, mm-hmm. and could take the whole rest of the year off, but she wasn't because she was charged up, but she yeah. has that balance. So yeah, I, there's some incredible stories like that. And I always love getting to spend my time like that. Nice. So talk about um, the book that you have, Align, Manifest, Transform. Um, mm-hmm. It all begins with a desire. Um, and what prompted you to write that and what you hope um, the readers get from that book? Everything I do, and that, that's why I'm so honored to get to be here with you today, because everything I do, I, is to have an impact in people's lives. So not everybody knows about me or schedules a call or doesn't feel comfortable or things like that and stuff with me, but I want to give them tools that they can start implementing to start noticing that change, to start understanding mm-hmm. the conditioning and the huge part that plays in our life because we can never outperform our conditioning. So we have to be willing to shift that in order to open up that what's possible and available for us. So AM, you know, Align, Manifest, Transform is another avenue I use to get that out there for people so that they can get some tools and start moving forward. Okay. And that can be found on Amazon, correct? Yes, it can be found on Amazon along with Life's Lessons can be, yes. Gotcha. All right, Joey, that's the end of the Q&A segment. And now I'm going to move to my favorite segment with my guest called First Thoughts. Uh, first, First Thoughts is brought to you in part by SRA Solutions, simple solutions for complex problems. For over 15 years, SRA Solutions has provided today's solution to prevent tomorrow's problem. SRA Solutions will provide you effective, efficient, robust, and reliable business intelligence, application website design, PC support services, and so much more. 
For more information, visit their website at www.sresolutions.org. So, Joey, the way first thoughts work is I give you a word or a phrase and you give me your response. The idea is what's your first thought uh, for the audience out there. If you're not familiar with this and it's the first time you're tuning in, like I always say, shame on you, but happy you're here. Um, <laughs> it'd be bad if I gave Joey a hint of what I was going to uh, ask him. So obviously I did. So, Joey, you ready? I, I believe so. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Everybody always sounds so nervous when I get to this part. I don't know why. All right. So uh, first, first thought, if I say mental health to you, what's your first thought? Total mindset alignment. Okay. And feel free to elaborate as much or as little as you want. Yeah, it's having that, that subconscious, what we're focused on, the words we use, thoughts we entertain, what we watch on TV, what we read, people we hang out with, that we're conscious of what we're doing rather than unconsciously doing things that are putting programming in that we don't want. Okay. Next first thought, if I say the word fears to you, what's your first thought? Mm. They're unreal. False evidence appearing real. One of the things I've done in the last year is I thought I was afraid of heights, but after my first run off a 2000 foot mountaintop with a hang glider, mm. I realized it's not the heights I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of falling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fear is false evidence sense. appearing real and fear mm-hmm. can seem so wide. We can't get around it and so tall. We can't get above it, but it's typically paper thin when we go through it. And mm-hmm. just the other side of that fear is our launching point into a life mm-hmm. we couldn't otherwise imagine. All fear is, is that it's something we haven't done. It's not that we can't do it. We just haven't done so yet. Hmm. Can you say that part again? It's so wide we can't go around. It's so tall we can't go over it. It's paper thin when we try to go through it. Most of the time it's paper thin when we go through it. Yep. Wow. All right. So last uh, first thought, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious what your impulse thought will be. Uh, Difficult clients. What's your first thought? Uh, Closed mindsets. Somebody that doesn't have an open mindset, somebody that's so embedded in their their conditioning and patterns and paradigms and beliefs, they're not willing to even hear anything outside of that. That would be that would be difficult. Okay, and I'll I'll do a bonus one uh, because I was only going to do three, but I'll do a bonus one here. So uh, retirement, what's your first thought? Retirement? Mm hmm. Mm. For me personally, Retirement means death. Hmm. The stop doing the works I love doing would would take some of the life out of me. Hmm. You know, every day we like we shouldn't have to get to a certain age and a certain level and things like that to live as though we're retired. When we can get into that sink and that flow of what we're passionate about is where we start opening that life that we'd never want to leave to, you know, go sit at a golf course or things like that. You know, and having that freedom and that balance in our everyday life. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Um, so there, there's a, I don't know if it's a saying or it's a, um, a thought that there are some people who do what they love all their lives. They retire and they're dead within six months. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something where um, I don't know how, I don't know if there's ever been studied or not, but you hear about that sometimes where somebody mm-hmm. worked for 30, 40 years, they were great at what they did and they retired and boom, just like that. Yeah. Um, so that it, it was shocking, but also it, it made sense that the first thought was death um, for retirement because you stop doing what you love, regardless of what it is. I mean, football players, um, you know, NFL players, professional athletes, they stop doing what they're doing. They don't have that grind to get up and work out every day, eat right and 
you look up two months or two years from now and your whole body's changed. You're not in a yes. great shape anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that type of stuff. And, 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 and even the people like that, like that, that retire, like I love when somebody's retired and they say every day is like a Saturday. I love hearing mm -hmm. people say that. But what I found is after about a year and a half, a little under two years, really, somebody who's retired starts getting into that phase of, man, this, this is boring. It's like I just exist. And so yeah. it's, it's really a time. One of the good things about retirement is whenever I see somebody who did something they couldn't do while they were working in a career and building a career. Mm -hmm. So, so with the, to, to tap into that passion and find out what that is, you know, that vision of what it is you want to experience in life and moving into that, I don't see that as retirement. I see that as living in your passion. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. All right, Joey. So that's in the first thoughts. And this season I started something new called TO first thoughts and it spawned from a great friend of mine. We call each other TO and. She had the suggestion, why don't you have your guests ask you a first thought? Um, so this is the part in the uh, interview where I give my guests the opportunity, anything we've talked about or anything generally, to give me a first thought to get my response. So Joey, That's what's your a, first thought for me? I love to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> this, might be the first time, this might be the first time I feel nervous about this. But go ahead, Tell what's your first thank thought? thank you for me, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, um, do I get a couple? Uh, sure, sure, I right. guess I've done that before. All right, limitation. Limitation um, to me is a mindset uh, issue. I think that uh, we, we put limitations on ourselves based on fear, honestly. Um, I think if we think that we can do it, we think we can do anything, we'll give our best effort to do it. Um, so I don't, I don't ever limit myself. I don't ever think that I have limits. Now, I may get hit by a brick wall every once in a while thinking I can do something I really can't, but I'm at least gonna try if I think I can just do it, so. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's that's... And, and the other one would be potential. Hmm. Potential is, um, I think it's, um, the, the first word I was fighting saying, it, but the first word that comes to mind is dream. Um, mm -hmm. the reason I say that is because I don't think potential really is anything. You, you can do something, you do something or you, or you can't do something you, and you don't do it. Um, potential is kind of just kind of like that ramp up to actually starting the race. Um, you, you think you can run this mile, but you got to think it first before you can do it. Well, no, I can just go do it as well. And if I can do it, I can. If I can't do it, then okay, I can't do it. But potential to me is just kind of sitting there waiting to say, waiting to do something um, to kind of ramp yourself up to do it. Yeah, I like that. That was really good. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's um, our potential is really a perception. Yeah. That's probably the word that should have popped in my mind, but dream kept popping in my mind for some yeah, reason. Yeah, well, you know what I was thinking is like to, to help people increase their potential and everything else. So it was perfect. Is that's, that's why I start with every person I work with on developing what I call a dynamic vision or a dream. Mm -hmm. What are your true yeah. desires that you, what do you really want to experience? Get the focus off of what you don't like. In fact, you can use that as a tool to help you define because typically if you don't like something, 180 degrees opposite is what you do want. So use yeah. it to define as a tool to define what you do want. So. Yeah. which then opens your potential. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you fully, Dave. That was awesome. Gotcha. Cool. I didn't stump the Dave. <laughs> no, no. So these things don't stump me, but you know, nobody's ever asked me something completely off topic yet. So at some point, somebody's going to ask me something completely off topic, yeah. but um, no, those were two good ones. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. 
All right, Joey. So um, I want to thank you for stepping to Dave's head. As always, before I let you go, I'd like to offer the opportunity for my guests to promote anything or talk about anything at all that you would like to. So if there's anything you want to talk about or promote, feel free to do so now. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's not so much a promotion as it is just an, an offer, you know, to every listener that you have and such as is. I offer you, you know, anybody can go to coachwithjoey.com and schedule a 10-minute call with me. And if something in here sparked with you, if you thought something in here was bullshit, I, I'd love to hear from you anyways and talk about that and get you some tools to start moving in that direction. And anybody who schedules a call with me, I'll, I'll give them a, a free case study video, uh, instant access to a free case study video that'll help them get deeper into the tools to start bringing about those changes in their life. So whether it's the balance, the growth, the, the through the fear, taking action, whatever it is to help them start moving that way. Gotcha. And in case uh, anybody out there missed it, Joey says it's fucking go time. So it's fucking go time, brother. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, Joey, man. Well, thank you for stepping to Dave's head, man. Take care. All right. You too. Be blessed. Thanks. You too. My favorite segment of my show is my grin, which stands for great reason to be in love with now. To continue my, my good feelings, by the way. I'm going to uh, take another sip. But this is one of the cool times of the year. We have uh, prom send-offs and, you know, senior prom, junior prom, these amazing outfits, things just, you know, cars that I can't afford and decorations that are crazy. There's there's this one I saw, I think yesterday, where if you think about different size balls, like big ball, small ball, but they're like colored, I'm guessing the color of the high school literally went from the bottom of the house to the top of the roof. And then there was this whole DJ setup. It was, listen, it was amazing. Like it was amazing. This setup for this uh, prom. And I don't know if it was a, the guy's prom or a girl's prom, but they look great. It's just proms are just beautiful, beautiful things. I actually have to go to a send off uh, next week uh, for my cousin, but fun fact story, quick story, by the way. Um, so my senior prom in high school, as uh my date and I are getting, um, I believe we're getting into the car to go to the prom. So we went to uh, her parents' house from my house, my, my dad's house, and then from her parents' house to the venue. As we're getting in the car to go from her parents' house to the venue for the prom, my sister kind of leans into the limo and says, hey, do you want my credit card in case you need to do anything? I said no. I turned it down. In that moment, and listen, I get it, I get it, I get it. I've heard it 50,000 times since that date. What the hell were you thinking? Take that damn credit card. You never know. Or you do know, and now you got money to spend. But in that moment, I couldn't think of anything we needed a credit card for. So why would I take it? I was trying to be responsible. In retrospect, I probably should have took it just so we could have more fun. But, so yeah, proms, proms are just amazing season. You know, you just... um. I'm always surprised by how amazing the designs of the women's dresses are. Um, guys, we, we kind of, we tux it up. We might, you know, do some flair here and there. We might do different colors or, you know, might do, you know, pinstripes. You might do, you know, different multicolored suits. You might do all types of stuff. Rocking some MJs. Who knows? All different types of stuff we're doing. But the designs of the gowns that the women wear at proms are just so creative so amazingly constructed especially the custom ones that people get done um the other thing too this time of year graduations 
And I always love the masters and the doctorate uh, celebration pictures because, you know, those are kind of creative too. you know, doc so-and-so and they got the before and after pictures or that they might have, I like the ones they do the, the kind of as they've gotten through years. So they might have a baby picture to junior high graduation, high graduation, college graduation, master's graduation, and now the doctorate. I love those types of things. Um, another fun fact, I've kind of thought about going for my master's and my doctorate. Um, True story, when I got my bachelor's, I didn't need my bachelor's. I was already working in the industry. I was already working in my career. Um, I wanted it. Um, it's kind of that same situation. I don't need a master's in my career. I don't need a doctorate in my career. But if I decide to do one, I'm going to decide to do both. And it's going to be because I want to do it, not because I need to do it. It would also be because I want to do something with it. I mean, I'm not going to incur debt or spend all this money on a master's and doctorate if I'm not going to actually do something with it. Um, so it's something I've thought about. It's not off the table, but it's not in the goal box, if you will. It's not in my, my goal. It's not on my whiteboard. Um, but one thing that's pretty cool, it's that time of the year where teachers, professors, educators, um, those in education begin to wind down the year um, and hopefully get to take some time off to decompress, relax, etc. And so I want to call your attention to the points guy. The points guy is a website that's been around since 2010. I think they started in like May, June, around the summer, ironically. Um, and what they do, they publish hands-on advice to help readers maximize their travel experiences. Well, they published an article last year um, entitled From Disney to Las Vegas, Free and Discounted Travel Offers for Teachers. And what it does, it lists spots where teachers can enjoy discounts, um, for some free things, discounts for fun, relaxation, entertainment, travel, generally. I mean, they're a travel discount website. Now, this is all relative, right? Um, if you live in Orlando, you might not look at Orlando as a vacation spot. Like, you want to get the hell away from Orlando. You might want to go to Arizona or to the islands or Vegas or somewhere like that. Um, but they they gave a list of places and things that they found uh, were great discounts for teachers. And again, this is based on last year. And so this list may have changed, might need to confirm with the places I want to talk about. But I want to give you my top five from the list that I thought were pretty interesting. Um, the first is Arizona Grand Resort and Spa. 20% off for educators. Think about that. A resort and spa where you can get 20% off just because you're an educator. So I would do that. That's something I would do because Arizona... I heard they have great resorts out there. Um, I don't know much about these resorts, and I'll give you that caveat. This could be a resort from 1960s that was built, and it's really old and dusty. I don't know. But 20% off from educator, for educators. For those who are pretty good at math, that means you're only paying 8% rate. The second one is Caesars Family of Casino Resorts. And so up to 30% off for teachers and, by the way, students at participating hotels in the U.S., and so if you're a teacher or a student, I would definitely look into that because it's anywhere in the U.S., not just Arizona like the one before it, but Caesars Family Resort. So anywhere there's a Caesars, Atlantic City, uh, Vegas, probably California, you know, those type of things. The next is the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. Now I get it. I get it. Golden Nuggets, pretty old, <laughs> pretty, pretty old place. But you get, excuse me, and I apologize because this champagne is going to just keep bubbling out. But... You get 30% discount on room rates for active educators. 30% off from the door. 
Now I wonder, and, and to step back for a second, I wonder if some of these discounts apply when there are other packages. Like if you had one of those stay four nights, get a fifth night free, can you also do the 20% off? Can you also do the 30% off? Because that would be kind of dope. Here's a cool one. The Ritz-Carlton Orlando Grand Lakes. Rates from 195 to 349 per room per night for teachers. Now I imagine that if rates are from 195 to 349, they're probably somewhere in a two something to four something regularly. So you're probably maybe only getting like 10% off, but it's a Ritz Carlton. Go splurge a little, have a couple days down there. Cool. The one I found interesting, the fifth one in this list is budget truck rental. Uh, 20% off local moves and 15% off one-way moves for teachers with the discount code, all caps, teach. Don't really think about moving in the summer, but you never know. Could be a teacher who is going from one place to another, still in the same area where they can still serve the same school district. Might be a traveling teacher or if those are, if that's a thing, who knows? But 20% off with the discount code teach. So there are a bunch more and, and more relevant and new fresh topics that the uh, points guy has on his website. He's expanded from one guy to whole team now, which is kind of cool. Been around again, I think I said since 2010. So we're going on almost 15 years uh, that this is this has been a thing. But check out the points guys, other travel tips at www.thepointsguy.com. Another thing I want to talk about that's a great reason to be in love with now, and we're doing two parts because I celebrate teachers and I love teachers and I think teachers need all the support we can give them. Donors choose. Donors choose is a nonprofit whose mission is to quote make it easy for anyone to help a teacher in need. Now, while teachers taking much needed breaks, getting discounts through Point Sky is a great thing, they still must come back to underfunded, overworked, many times underappreciated teaching environments. They still have to come back to those. They a lot of times have to come back out their own pocket and fund setting up their rooms, fund giving their students the tools that they need. And so with Donors Choose, it allows you to search for projects needing funding for classroom makeovers, um, which again, teachers routinely pay out of pocket, materials to teach their students for different projects or different initiatives. You can contribute or fully fund your those projects. Simply search, you can search your local area uh, zip code like I did, you can search Anywhere in the United States, you can search, you can just pick a town and search for it over there. The website is donorschoose.org, donorschoose.org. I want to thank Joey Drollshagen for stepping to Dave's head and really offering some great advice, amazing, amazing energy. And hopefully something he said resonated with you because he definitely said a few things that resonated with me. Check out his website, www.josephadrollshagen. That's Joseph, J O S E P H A, the letter A, D R O L S H A G E N.com. Check out his books on Amazon.com, including Align Manifest Transform, All Begins with a Desire. Again, you can find them on Amazon.com. You can find them on Instagram at Joey pros coach. That's Joey underscore pros underscore coach. So J O E Y underscore P R O S underscore coach. 
You can find them on Facebook and Twitter, both under J.A. Drill Shagan, all one word. And YouTube. YouTube does ads now, in case you weren't familiar with that. You can find us, by the way, at Dave's Head Podcast on YouTube. But you can find Joey at Joseph A. Drill Shagan. So at Joseph A. Drill Shagan. Support our sponsors, Digger Movers, for all your local and long distance moving needs. Swift professional insurance carrying moving company. Check them out at www.digamovers.com. And check out SRE Solutions for all your PC support, website design, application development, network runs, and so much more. Check them out for more information at www.sresolutions.org. And if you're interested in sponsoring on Dave's Head, feel free to reach out on any of my social media and we can make it happen. So finalization, IFGT, it's fucking go time. And educators, all great reasons to be in love with now. Finally. That's all for this episode of Dave's Head. New episodes released on the second and fourth Friday of the month. For all things Dave's Head, check out our website at daveshead.cardwith2rs.co. Subscribe to watch new episodes on YouTube or Spotify video, or to listen via your preferred podcast player, go to anchor.fm forward slash daveshead Thank you for watching or listening. As always, enjoy life, because life should be fun. Take care.